Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to end up in Genesis chapter 37. We do thank those that are joining us online. I'm excited for you guys. I do hope if you're a guest of us, you'll take that to guest service so I can be praying for you. But we are in a brand new series called Dreamer. And it's one of those things, here's the whole concept. Like at the end of this month, I simply want to encourage you to start dreaming again. Like, like I, confessions of the, the pastor, are you ready? When I was a kid, you know what I wanted to be when I grew up? Wasn't a fireman, wasn't a policeman, wasn't a pilot. I wanted to be Jerry the King Law. I wanted to be a professional wrestler. And you say, what stopped you? Jesus. I mean, I grew up close to the Nashville fairgrounds. I remember, now some of you guys need to cover your ears before I say this. I remember when I found out it was fake. Like it was devastating. And it happened at the Nashville airport. Because I saw Hulk Hogan eating with Andre the Giant. And they were supposed to be fighting. Like, I'm waiting, saying, he's going to hit him with a chair. But they were eating at Fridays at the Nashville airport, and it rocked my world. But it's funny how we will have these dreams, and something happens in life, and it makes us stop. And we don't mean to. But one day turns into two days, turns into a week, turns into a month, turns into years. And all of a sudden, unbeknownst to us, we go, Why, whatever happened? Why did I stop dreaming? And all I want to do for the next few weeks is to reignite in you the ability to dream. And the first thing that I think we need to do is we need to tackle what is it that most people have in their life that made them stop dreaming. And I think, I'm so fired up because I love the Old Testament. And when I think about God's word, when I think about the central theme of God's word, it's actually a part of our purpose. For those of you that may not know, our vision is to be a life-giving church in our community. That's why we leverage 10% of all giving to go back into the community. It's one of those things, we want to be life-giving. How do we do that? We want to help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Well, that second one's huge. It's the central theme of God's Word. From the very beginning, God wanted us to live in freedom. But because of sin, we became captives. And we got booted out of the garden. And all of a sudden, there was this huge concept that took place, and, and God's people were in captivity, and he caused Moses through a burning bush to take his people out of captivity. In fact, this central theme of freedom that we see in the New Testament when Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, is not just a central theme, but it still affects our world today. In fact, the message today, if you were to study a little bit of a history lesson, and I'm not going to have time to do that today, is a battle that's still raging in 2022 over a strip of land over in Israel. Some of you guys know it as the Gaza Strip. 
But there are battles that are still raging in 2022 that you say, well, I pray for peace in the Middle East. Can I give you a little heads up? That's a great prayer. It ain't happening. Like God's word is very clear. It ain't going to happen. And I'm going to show you today what makes some people stop dreaming from looking at something that's very real and very relative, promises that God has spoke over people and they got distracted and they stopped dreaming. In fact, will you go ahead and throw up the Genesis scripture with Abraham? Here's where it all started. This is not where you are in your word, but you're going to see on the screen one simple scripture where God spoke to Abraham. In fact, at this particular time, his name was Abram. And here's what it says. Then the Lord appeared to Abram. This is before he had all the children, so he's, he doesn't have the ham yet. All right, When you become a dad, you become a ham. Right now, he's just Abe. All right? but, but Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. This literally, we went through the flood. We went through Noah. We went through the kids of Noah. Now we're getting into this generation. And this, this spokenness has come over Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations. And there's this promise. Not only is he going to be the father of many nations, but he also is going to own this piece of dirt. Now in Exodus, can I read what happens in Exodus? Just hang with me in 37 of Genesis. I will get there. But in Exodus, let me tell you what's going on there. Now there arose a new king over Egypt. This was the Pharaoh. This is Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. Who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, now remember, I've told you this a million times. Whenever you see a therefore in God's word, you need to see what it's there for. And I just read that to you. So listen to what they're going to do. They set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh's store cities uh, and all these other things. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. That's the biblical way of saying the board they got, the more babies they made. The more oppressed they got, the more babies that were made. All right? And so they keep having these children. This, this nation is growing. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. See, at the beginning of Exodus, this promise that Abraham had had that he's going to have this land has turned into these same people, these Israelites. Now, the word Israel is actually the name that God gave Jacob. Remember Jacob? He had this dream with this ladder, and he's going to have this, 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 he's coming and going down this ladder, and God's people are coming and going, and he wrestles with God, and he says, I'm not going to let you go. He wrestles with this angel until you bless me. And God ends up calling him no longer Jacob, but calls him Israel. And out of this becomes this major nation. Now, that nation is in captivity. And they're nowhere close to the land. 
and they're enslaved. You say, Mickey, what in the world happened? How did we go from like this dream, like, like Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. We remember, right, Sunday school? Father Abraham had many sons, right? And all of a sudden now, they are in captivity. They are nowhere close to, they're in Egypt. What happened? Well, I think it's in the very first part of that scripture. And this is where I get intrigued. I, I give you a little bit of insight sometimes of the way I study God's word. I'm kind of a simple-minded person. Now, just so you'll know, I am a big believer that the text means what the text means. Like, there's never a time where I go, hmm, how does that make me feel? I don't care what it makes you feel. The question is, how does it apply to your life, no matter how you feel? And so I'm a very contextual person. And here's what I got intrigued with. When I looked at Exodus chapter 1, it said there was this new king, this pharaoh, who did not know Joseph. So you know what my mind thought? What was the big deal about Joseph? Because evidently when they knew Joseph, everything was good. But now that they don't know Joseph, they're enslaved. Well, let me give you a little bit of background on Joseph before we dive into Joseph's story. Joseph is the great-grandson of Abraham. You have Abraham, who was also married. And I'm going to make sure I don't butcher this because I always get it confused. But Abraham, who turned around and had Sarai, who ends up being Sarah. Who, who was not able to have children. That's a different story all to itself. I wish I had time. Old Testament is so amazing. Like during this, this is when you have Hagar, who turns around and, and ends up having birthing, and out of you get Ishmael, and all of a sudden this is where you end up getting Islam, and all this. I mean, there's, there's so much that's here. Like literally what you see in today's culture, you can go back to this particular, it's not a story, but biblical account. But Abraham and Sarah end up having a son, you know him, his name's Isaac. We all remember the story of Abraham taking Isaac up to the altar and was going to sacrifice him, and then there was a ram in the thistles, and he ends up killing the, the ram, and he makes this altar. You say, what's the big deal about that place? That's where the Jerusalem temple end up being. In fact, now you can go and visit that, but it's not the temple. It's on the Dome of the Rock. It's where the Islam would put their major Mecca at. Like this battle has been raging over this land because of these promises, because of these dreams. But then they turn around and, and Isaac and Rachel end up having a child. And that's Jacob. And Jacob meets Rebecca. I'm sorry, Isaac and Rebecca have a child. And that is Jacob. And then Jacob has Rebecca. And out of that, I'm sorry, Rachel. I get all the R's confused. I'm sorry. Rachel. And then they end up having two children. One is Joseph. And the other one is Benjamin. Now during Benjamin's birth, Rachel dies, but Benjamin ends up leading the whole priest side of the Israelites with his tribe. But in there, there's this Joseph, and Joseph is admired by Jacob more than anybody else. In fact, in chapter 37, we hear about this coat, that Jacob gives him this coat of many colors, and, and the siblings of Joseph can't stand him because Jacob is not, like, he doesn't even hide the fact that this is his favorite. And because of that, the other ones cannot even fathom being around him because they're so jealous. But then God gives Joseph these dreams. In fact, most people know of Joseph as the dreamer. And can I read for you what these dreams are? It's in chapter 37. It starts in verse 8. Now, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. 
They already couldn't stand the guy. And now what he's going to tell them, they're like, yeah, I mean, just in case there was any hope, now I'm going to punch you in the face. All right? So they turn around, and here's the dream. Joseph said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaves arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Now, can I give you the, the Mickey translation? I had this dream. And my life was so much bigger than your life. My life stood up. Your life surrounded my life and bowed down to me. Now, two things that I thought about. Number one, Joseph, why would you share that? Like, like they already don't like you. You know? I mean, like, this is the equivalent of, of Alabama fans, right? Like, nobody likes them because they always win. And then to get up and talk about how good you are, like, we just don't like you that much more, right? Like, everybody was glad that Georgia beat you in the national championship because we're tired of, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what's going on here. It's like, why in the world they already can't despise you? Why are you getting up and saying, hey, this dream I had, you're going to bow down to me. And listen to how they responded. In the next verse, verse 8, his brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And then in verse 9, Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father, this is Jacob, and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers, if you have a Bible, this paper underlined it, were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in his mind. See, I'm giving you this backdrop so that you can know what's going on. Like this is the epitome of what's going to be several tribes that ends up making up these Jewish nations, but it's the concept that Joseph's come to them and he's heard from Jacob because his father, who is his favorite, has passed on this story. I'm sure that Jacob has told Joseph, hey, your great-grandfather, Abraham, has been told that we're going to inherit this land. And he has been told that his offspring are going to number more than the stars in the sky. And so they have this dream that's in them, but the problem is, is this favoritism that's being shown in Joseph's life is causing them to get so bitter and so jealous. Point number one. If you get caught up in looking at everybody else's dream, you'll despise your own. If you get caught up in looking at everybody else's dream, you know what you're going to do? Well, I mean, my dream really ain't that great. Like, I'm going to give everybody some freedom. We are eight days away from Valentine's. Do yourself a favor. Don't get on social media on Valentine's Day. If you have somebody of a significant other, just don't even get on social media. Why? Because you're going to get some flowers, but then somebody else has got like, well, they got him three dozen. Well, they showed up at her work with flowers and chocolate and a diamond ring and a diamond. Like, you can't keep up. 
And just but you're like, oh, well, I, I really did something good. Oh, well, I, I swept mine away and we went on a trip. Well, I, I went to the beach. We flew to Hawaii. What? I'm a terrible husband. Like you cannot keep up. There's always somebody that looks like they're doing more. If you get caught up in looking at everybody else's dream and don't realize the dream that God's put in your heart, you're going to start belittling your dream and being jealous of theirs. You need to focus on what God's called you to and not be focused on what God's calling somebody else to. Can I ask you a question? When you see God blessing people, when you see God answer prayers of other people, do you celebrate with them or do you have a pity party because yours hasn't been answered yet? Like we just finished 21 days of prayer and saw God do some amazing things, literally healed cancer. You know, we watched some amazing things take place. And when you see that happen, do you celebrate what God's doing or do you go, oh my goodness, but I'm still over here struggling with mine. You've got to, in order to dream, realize your dream is enough. You don't need your neighbor's dream. Because you may get into your neighbor's dream and realize it ain't that much of a dream. You may get off of their social media page and go sit down with them for dinner and realize this is more of a nightmare. It's just they got a real good facade over it. That's what was going on here. So what do they do? Well, we pick up the story. And you're going to see some scriptures. I'm going to paraphrase because of time. But we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 37, verse 18. So they get to this point. And, and so Jacob tells Joseph, hey, where's your brothers at? He's like, they're supposed to be out in this field. With da, 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 go find them. So they go to, jo, uh, Joseph goes to find them. And, and the brothers see him coming from afar off because he has this, this bright coat, right? And they say, you know what, let's kill him. I don't like him. You don't like him. Nobody likes him. Dad thinks he's the favorite. I say we kill him. So they take a pit. And when he comes up to check on him, they grab him, they throw him in the pit. I'll pick up the story just so you can hear God's word. Starts in verse 18. They saw him from afar. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, here comes the dreamer. Can I chase a real quick rabbit? Most people will stop dreaming. Now, this isn't the point of today, but this is one of the, Most people will stop dreaming because nobody likes a dreamer. Because well, God's not giving me no dreams. And if he gives you dreams and not me dreams, well, I don't like you because you got dreams. They want to belittle you. They want to oppress you. They want to kill you. Can we keep going? Come now. Let us kill him and throw him into the, one of the pits. Then he will say they are, then we will say there was a fierce animal who devoured him. And we will see what will become of his dreams. And then his brother Reuben steps in and, and saves him. See, here's what's hilarious. Their jealousy was not based on their hatred of Joseph. 
their jealousy was based on the hatred of the dream. See, a lot of people stop dreaming because people don't like dreams. Because to admit that there's dreams in our lives is to admit that we settle for less than. You've seen this happen. I got to be real careful the way I handle this. You'll see a church, it starts growing, it explodes, and immediately, other people in different churches, what do they do? Do they celebrate that church? No. They start talking about it, don't they? Well, the reason why anything's happened over there is because of so-and-so. Listen, if you ever do that, do me a favor. Stop. We are supportive of God's local church, not just Crossroads as one of them. And we want God to move in a miraculous way in all of his churches. And I pray that the dreams and the things that God has for his churches, in, even in community here in Cleveland and Bradley County, I pray that all of them would explode. Because last time I checked, 60% of people in Bradley County this morning are not active in a church. 60%. So there's plenty of people for us to love God and love people with. But let's go back to the story. So Reuben says, dude, don't, don't do this. Don't kill the guy. So they grab him, though, and they throw him in a pit. Reuben comes back and he's like, where's Joseph? And they're like, we threw him in a pit. And he's beside himself. And he doesn't want him to kill him. So he goes to try to check on him. And while he goes, the brothers have this great idea. Rather than killing him and his blood be on our hands, we'll sell him into slavery. Now, can I paraphrase the rest of the story from now until chapter 50? So they turn around and they, they take Joseph and they sell him to this group that was coming through who turns around and sells him into slavery and he gets bought by Potiphar's wife who just so happens to be the right-hand man to this person known as the Pharaoh of Egypt. Y'all know the story of Potiphar's wife because it says in God's scripture that Joseph was an attractive guy and all of a sudden Potiphar's wife kind of sees him in a different light and wants to lie with him and so she drops her cloak and comes in naked and Joseph drops his cloak to run. He's like, I'm out of here. And he takes off running. Well, Potiphar's wife tells Potiphar that he tried to sexually take advantage of her. He takes the aspect of what his wife says, so he throws Joseph in jail. Meanwhile, these dreams start happening, and they need somebody to help interpret these dreams. God has anointed Joseph. He ends up interpreting these dreams. He ends up interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. Now, I'm paraphrasing all this. You can go back and study it. It's all right in Genesis. And in that process, the Pharaoh is so pleased with Joseph and how he's interpreting these dreams that he puts Joseph as the second in command over all the supplies. Meanwhile, Jacob, who is mourning the loss of his son, famine hits the Israelites' area. And so Jacob sends the brothers, the ones that thrown Joseph in the pit, down to Egypt to get help. Well, little did they know when they got to Egypt, the person over all the goods was going to be old Joseph. And rather than dealing harshly with them, Joseph sets it up for them to actually going back and to get Jacob and to bring Jacob down so that he can meet their needs. Numero uno. You ready? Sometimes what you think is a pit is God's provision. 
Sometimes what you think is a pit is actually God's provision. Joseph went from being in a pit, but rather than letting it stop him, he never stopped dreaming. He didn't let his circumstances define what had been built in his life. He remembered the dreams. He remembered the fact that there would be these, these chiefs that were going to come and bow down. Remember the last thing the brothers thought about is, hey, let's see what happens to his dreams now. Meanwhile, Joseph never stops being obedient to God and never stops dreaming. And all of a sudden, what started out as a pit turns into to God's provision to provide for a whole group of Israelites. So this takes place, and, and they come back, and they bring Jacob down, and Jacob realizes what has happened, and he celebrates. And out of that, that's how the nation of Israel ends up in Egypt and in captivity. Second thing, not only can pits be provision, but sometimes the things you're dealing with the hardest have nothing to do with your choices. It's called generational sin. Like there are things that you are dealing with in your life that is a direct reflection of other people's choices prior to you. There was a whole nation that was in captivity in Egypt. Why? Because some brothers took it upon themselves to throw their brother in a pit and to sell him into slavery. Now, here's what's amazing. God can take any pit and make it into a provision. But that does not erase the consequences of sin. You deal with it on a regular basis. God did not intend for us to live in captivity. He intended for us to live in freedom. Well, why do we live in captivity? Because of sin. But the question is, are you going to choose to stay in the pit? Or are you going to allow the pit to become a provision? But here's what I love about the story. It happens in verse 50. In chapter 50, at the very end of Genesis, there's this amazing last words of Joseph. These amazing last words before we find out what's going on. So what's taking place is, is Jacob has died. His brothers, and I've given you the paraphrase of that. I don't have time to go through this whole story. But I want you to see what the brothers do at the end because they realize, like, Jacob's dead. And they're like, dude, Joseph's going to kill us. Like, now's his chance to really get back at us. Like, remember, we threw the old boy in a pit. We sold him into slavery. Now he's second in command. And he's loved us despite what we did to him. And so listen, let me just read it. Because I think, I think God's word speaks louder than my opinions. It starts in verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead... They said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. Now listen to how Joseph responded. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. I don't have a lot of time, but you need to know that sometimes when people come to you dealing with your past, a lack of emotion can be just as powerful as anything you say. 
I think because of the way Joseph responds to them, they realize that he is tenderhearted and still loves them despite what they had done. Can I pick up God's word? Verse 18. His brothers also came and fell down before him. I think they felt safe doing that because he had cried. They realized that he wasn't upset. And, he, and said, behold, we are your servants. And then listen to how Joseph responds. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for I, for am I in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived to be 110. Drop down to verse 24. This is where it got really cool for me. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he had swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you will carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. See, the thing that's so amazing to me is this, this dreamer, this guy that interpreted dreams, this guy that was given dreams, this guy who never lost the dream. In his last breath, the only thing he wanted to do was reignite the dream that God had given him. He said, swear to me. Swear to me that you will go get the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In church, here's what I think. When I read God's word, when I think about dreams, when I think about being a dreamer, when I think about all the things that God's called us to do, I think for majority of us, I don't know what's happened. I don't know what the pit is. I don't know what you've been thrown into. But at some point, we've stopped dreaming the dreams that God gave his church and what it means to live. Like when I think about God's word and, and way he speaks over his people, he talks about having this life and having life more abundantly. He talks about these provisions. Please don't mishear me. I'm not talking about health and wealth and getting a Cadillac. What I'm talking about is faithfulness and obedience and God blessing you. And for whatever reason, you've let people in your life throw you in a pit and you stayed there. Do you know why most people stop dreaming? Is they're too lazy to get out of the pits. It could be an addiction. It could be a relationship. It could be abuse. I don't think it's irony that the people that hurt Joseph the most were his loved ones. Look at me. Some of you, your closest loved ones have hurt you the most, haven't they? You say, Mickey, I just, I just don't know if I can get out of it. You can. In fact, not only can you get out of it, but God can use your pit to be a provision for somebody else's future. To meet a need in their life that they had no idea they even needed. 
Are there going to be consequences? Yep. And the consequences don't, they should never stop us from dreaming. They should just remind us of where the pits are. It, it's, it's like a warning. Hey, be careful here. There's a pit. Be careful. Remember that addiction you dealt with? You, you, you better be careful. Don't go in close to this stuff. Hey, you remember that relationship? You better be careful. Don't go close to this. Like, they're a reminder. But your past was never intended to hold you back. The pits that you've been thrown in, and for some of you, you had nothing to do with it. You didn't ask for your uncle or, or your dad or your granddad to abuse you. You didn't ask for, for the person that you were committed to for the rest of your life to be unfaithful. You didn't ask for the people that you were giving your life to in a career to come in one day and say, hey, we're downsizing and we don't need you. You had no idea. But it reminds me of a saying that I probably use too much. See, I don't know if it's as much as a pit as much as is you're in a rut. And my favorite professor used to tell me all the time, he said, Mickey, a, a rut's nothing but a pit dug out on both ends. And if you stay there long enough, you'll die. See, that's why you stop dreaming. You got more consumed with the pit you were in rather than the provision God could give you to get out of it and dream again. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.